Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. So this is what we've kind of been working to. Uh, kind of church redefined. So church redefined is relationship, it's discipleship, it's community. It really is based off the Acts model in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And so the reason we're here is because we are more concerned about spiritual depth than we are uh, width. We're more focused on the quality of our relationships and the quality of our relationship with God as opposed to the quantity or how much we can do. And I think that all has to be rooted in the individual, not the institution. And so uh, understanding over the past, who knows how long we've been talking this, we're the church, the, we are the body of believers. And so, um, man, it's never been more evident that this is the direction that we're supposed to go. And so so kind of week one, again, we get another opportunity to start meeting with people the right way around tables and... and uh, yeah, we're diving in. in a series right now called Given to Give, and it's all about using the things that God has given us and being able to give them to others. Uh, last week we discussed love and we started in First uh, Corinthians 13. The beginning of that chapter kind of talks about all these acts that we do, what we can do, um, how we can do it, but without love, without it being rooted in love, that it's all empty and then it's all in vain. Um, everything that God gives us is rooted in love because God is love. Amen. So yeah, we know... Um, we know that we are. We know that we're supposed to operate in love and peace and live in community with people. But what happens when somebody offends us? When they hurt us? When they upset us? Or we hurt ourselves by self-talk or negative, negative thoughts. Like we're that's that's really kind of the nail or the stake that got driven in between the message this week. Was hang on a second. What about when I do this? Like what about when? Um, when I screw something up because of the way that I'm behaving, the, the decisions I'm making, the way that I'm acting or treating somebody, what what about me? How does this pertain to me? And I think that we share a pretty practical message every weekend, and, and I don't think that it gets any any clearer or closer to us than this. Yeah. It was how do we uh, live in peace with ourselves? How do we – our action step last week was forgiveness. Um, but really forgiveness is – it starts with us. We're going to kind of continue in that same vein this week, um, talking about how love keeps no records of wrong. And the amplified version says in Ephesians 4.32, to be kind and helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. By the way, next week I'll have my notes printed for you guys. and You'll be able to sit in the window seats and, and all around here. It'll be amazing. That's really nice. Everybody that's online can't see. We have people staring. So it's, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, but it's good. Um, we have to believe this for ourselves. Forgiveness is not just something that we give out to people. It's rooted in love and we have to receive forgiveness. But before we can receive forgiveness, we have to be able to receive love. Um, First Corinthians 13, five says love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of wrong. Yeah. Are you going to say something? Well, I just think that in that sometimes we sit back and we're waiting for people to follow through right? or to it's and, and, but we're in the seat, right? So we're either expecting somebody to do something or thinking that uh, we're above it. 
I don't know if above it's the right word, but like they owe me an apology. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to give this forgiveness because I was not in the wrong. Yeah. And we do that a lot. Heather used to have her way and I used to have my way. And we talked about that a little bit last week, just identifying what our way was going to be. And so, yeah. So yeah, before you give forgiveness, you have to be able to receive it. And much like forgiveness, it's an action. Love is an action. Yeah. Receiving is an action. And so much like love, that's what Heather said, forgiveness is an action. So I wanted to define that this, this morning. Um, and this will kind of, this is kind of the anchor. We'll talk, we'll jump right back in right here next week. Uh, not sure how long this is going to go. And so um, did want to touch on forgiveness because this is what sparked the conversation, um, sparked the message, but really want to get to how this affects us. And so I want to define forgiveness before we move into kind of the next the next phase. And so as we define forgiveness, we understand forgiveness is an action. It's the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. And so then forgiveness is not a feeling, right? We must consciously decide to forgive somebody else uh, who's offended us, who's fallen short of our expectation. Our expectations are our greatest frustrations, right? And so then we have to be willing to forgive somebody when they don't meet the expectation that we set before them, especially if we haven't identified it. Uh, We must act to forgive immediately, not after so here's the thing. Somebody does something wrong, and instead of instead of confronting and being bold or walking in confidence or just walking in truth and saying, hey, man, that's not right, um, we tend to settle back and wait until we forget about the pain of the offense or, um, or really forgetfulness just softens, softens whatever the pain or the hurt or the disappointment was, mm-hmm. right? And so... And the sucky part about that is the sting of unforgiveness can always resurface later with just the smallest reminder of whatever that offense was. I think, I think too, that's part of when instead of waiting, I think when we wait, it's easier to be like, oh, I forgave them. But really, you're probably harboring that same feelings in your heart. I'm, for myself, anyway, it's easier if I think, I never oh, do I'll that. wait. I'll wait a little while and then I'll forgive them as opposed to actually making the choice and the action step. I'm going to do it right now. I'm not going to, I'm going to make a choice right now and cut it off to when those thoughts kind of resurface, I can say, nope, I've already taken care of this. Yeah. Because the sting of unforgiven offense is resilient. It always comes back. Hurt feelings can be resuscitated with the slightest little reminder of, of the fault of the failure of the transgression of whatever caused the hurt, the pain, the betrayal, the failure, the lie, whatever caused that. And so that's why if you only work on or attempt to solve the fruit of the problem and never get to the root of the problem, that's why you constantly see fruit from the same issue. It's we never get back. We never get to the real root of why this is happening. Right. And so the short version of this is forgiveness is an active process where we make conscious daily decisions in worst case scenarios to follow through on the act of forgiveness, regardless of our feelings. Because the big point is, if forgiveness relied on our feelings, <laughs> few people would ever be forgiven, right? And that's true for uh, us, and that's the reason why it, it, it's the reason why really forgiveness doesn't exist um, for a lot of people. It's why yeah. few people are forgiven. When we sat down to uh, prepare the message this week, <clears throat> we felt like God revealed this is a bigger thing than just saying, "Oh, I forgive you." It's bigger than. Um, just discussing God's forgiveness for us. It's actually, uh, forgiveness really starts with us. Yeah. So this is like a, it's, it's not a rabbit trail. It's not a tangent, but like, that's it given to give God, give forgiveness to us. God gives forgiveness to us, but we're also to give it to others. You know, the Bible tells us to forgive others as, as Christ forgave us. We know that that was kind of the anchor for the message moving forward or, or, 
this week. And then as the, the more that we talked about this, the more we realized, man, I have issues with this and, or we've had issues with this or, um, you know, there's one person that really rubs me the wrong way. And, uh, to think about, wait a second, this, this is an opportunity because I believe the message speaks to us just as much as it speaks to the people who are, who are engaged, the people who are here in the room. So, <clears throat> so yeah. Um, the one thing that I, I'm going to share a little bit about myself, um, because to understand um, the difficulty that we have in forgiving ourselves, um, we can't forgive ourselves if we don't love ourselves. And that's kind of the, the, the trend of this message is loving yourself. Like, that seems weird. That seems odd. And, and we can shelf that with Hebrews 12.1, even though we know, like, we are to love ourselves and, and we are to forgive ourselves. But Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore... Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. And I think where we get caught up in that is we all want to run the race that lies before us, but we don't mind. But we don't want to lay the backpack down that we're carrying, or um, or the the heartache, right? And so mm-hmm. it's hard to run a race when you're holding on to a broken, heavy past with regret and hurt in your heart. It's just mm-hmm. that makes it tough. And so then um, you really need to identify, we all have to identify what really stops me from loving myself. What keeps me hanging on to this trash? What keeps me weighted down? What keeps me heavy? Because we know that, that God said, man, cast all your cares on me for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We know that. We know it. But what keeps us from doing that? We know the golden rule in Matthew 22, 37, 39. That's what our church is founded on. It's love God with everything that you have and love your neighbors yourself. We know that. And so then as we shift to making this personal, um, we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. As we go to Romans chapter 12, we'll be in Romans chapter 12 next week. This actually is how we we came backwards. So Romans uh, 12 verse 3, this is Paul speaking to the Christian church in Rome. And it says, "For for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, do not think, uh, not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. And when you think through that, and when you hear that, for me, um, this was the scripture for me where it really created separation or caused me not to focus on myself. And you could say love oneself. And I think it's real easy when we are... Um, even in our chair time or with others to, to kind of shelf yourself and just be about doing and keeping everybody happy. And I think we all kind of have that niche of ours. And so don't think too high of yourself than your ought was something that was kind of ingrained in me, but not with the, not scripturally. I don't even know how my, how my dad knew to teach me this because he did not know this scripture. Okay. And so it's like one of those old Chinese proverbs that keeps making its way back. And we're like, is that a real proverb or is that a Chinese proverb? We're not sure. Right. So don't think too hard of yourself. And you're this is a great reminder of Paul. Right. Paul says, essentially, we are sinful by nature. Right. Pride is in us and, and pride is in us. It's a sin by nature. And so we need to be aware. Right. And so for me, if if growing up, if I ever gave one thought to myself first, I was being prideful I was being arrogant. I was being selfish. Um, I can't believe you would do that as well as expecting to hear. Right. And so then that that allowed me to see. And I use Matthew 633. I've said it, I've said it before. Matthew 633 became how I live my life. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. 
And so this is where I lived. And so I could not care for myself. I was not healthy spiritually, emotionally, or physically because I just ran. I just ran. I just ran the race and I ran hard. And you get addicted to that because there's accomplishment in it. And especially when you do it for uh, a boss or anybody else. And what happened was it ended up starting to create division between me and Heather because I was finding more uh, fulfillment. People liked me more at work than they did at home. And it wasn't that she didn't love me, but when I came home, I was exhausted because I had my foot on the gas all the time. And so then because I saw Matthew 6, 33 like that, which is a solid scripture, mm-hmm. I, the day that God revealed Matthew 6, 33 to me in a new light, when it depends on what verse or what version you read of Matthew 6, 33, Matthew 6, 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Well, how did I know it? I knew the Cliff Notes version. Seek first kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So Dusty, if you just keep going and you just keep doing and you just keep people happy, one day you'll find rest. Likely on your deathbed, but one day you'll find rest, right? And so because I ran like that, and I'll never forget, and um, this is this is probably a marquee moment in my life uh, where I was um, in my chair and I was really going through all of these different, um, I'll write a book on this someday. But I was going through the different kind of battles that we face, the positives and the negatives or the or the opposites of words. And when I came to Matthew 6, 33 and seeking God and I looked at the opposite and I found the King James version of, of Matthew 6, 33, it changed my life because I realized, wait a second, seek ye. That means this is me and God together. This is us. This is us together. And because it's us together, then I need to start walking and living that way. I need to start leading that way. I need to start believing that way. I need to start speaking that way. That's why we've made that kind of a trend in our houses. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it changes your thought process. It changes the way that you speak. It changes the way that you believe. And, and, and ultimately, that changes the way you live. We're not talking about being all like holy, holy word of faith people. It is, man, the tongue has the power of life and death. Period. And so then we're either going to speak negative things into our life or we're going to speak positive things to our life. That was that was what Matthew 6.33 um, did to me. <laughs> and so um, I think in all of that, I think what we need to see is self-denial does not mean do not love yourself. Because in the Bible we hear or we see a lot. Self-denial, deny self, deny self, deny self. And we do really good at that because it's ingrained in, in all of us, it seems, that like, listen, man, just, hey, just go do this. Just go, you know, whatever else. Busy, busy, busy. Do, do, do. And when we do that, we, we end up not caring for ourselves and kind of run ourselves ragged. Yeah. I think denial, self-denial has a few different ways that it can work, too. It can be, I'm so absorbed in taking care of someone else. I'm putting my own needs aside. I'm so absorbed in what do they need? What do they need? And my idea of love growing up was, um, my mom, I don't think she even really knew what love was. And so it was the only way I knew how to receive love is if I was being exactly who she wanted me to be. I was acting the way she wanted me to act. I was dressing the way she wanted to act. And there was like this prepared box that I needed to fit into. It was self-denial, but it was like, I was denying who God created me to be because I was always trying to fit into this is who I have to be. This is how I have to be. And if I didn't, then it was, yes, arrogant. Oh, she's snobby. Oh, selfish. Anything that didn't have to do with love. And it wasn't the point of that, but that's the way that I took that growing up. And I struggled. I had a really hard time actually even knowing what love was until I actually... um, read 
and discovered what God says love is as opposed to me trying to be something else for someone else. I'll say then, you know, all that stuff kind of snowballs into several different things, right? And so then it ends up being not good enough. Or for me, it was, well, you should have done this. You could have done this. If I was you, I would have done this. And you, we end up putting our, you know, parents or loved ones or spouses in this in this place or position where we're expecting something from them and not getting it. And the reality is, just like Matthew 6.33, it's you and God. Mm-hmm. I can't look to anybody else and expect them to love me the way God loves me. I'm looking and and I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm believing that you know how to love me and that you see me, that you know me inside and out, that um, you know, we've been we've been married this long, or we've been we're this old, or or we've been together for you know this many months, and to look to somebody else for that is empty. Mm-hmm. It's empty. Proverbs says that that every time you put your open man, he's going to let you down. At some point, they're going to let you down, and so there's only one person who doesn't. And that's God. Mm-hmm. And so then we understand then then love ultimately comes from God. We're to receive that love first, and then we have to walk in it. And so, um, I don't think you're arrogant, yeah. by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, so then really a lack of love for yourself comes from an overemphasis of not focusing on yourself. And I said a little bit earlier, when we open the Bible and we listen and we see and we look and, and we hear from others, we see how we're to love others. We even know how to love our enemies, but we overlook ourselves and all of that. It's just like, man, let's just go do good. Just do good. Do good. And I think that, you know, everything we read in 1 Corinthians 13 applies to each of us personally. It applies to us um, on on a deeper level than just words on a page, and it applies to us as us just as much as it does to the people sitting across from us, mm-hmm. or um, even those we can't stand, which we don't like to um, admit. But First Corinthians thirteen applies to us personally, yeah. And then and then that's and that's what we walk in, or that's how we walk. Yeah, am I being kind? Which I know it sounds, the first time we read this and I think about loving myself and saying that stuff, it seems so like elementary and silly. Like, am I being kind to myself? Am I? Yeah, because last week, I want you to keep going because last week we said you can be kind without love. You can do good without love. You can have joy without love. You can be faithful without love. True. What about me now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Am I treating myself the way that I would treat someone else? Am I showing love towards myself the same way I would show it to somebody else? Which is tough. Um, yeah. Proverbs nineteen eighteen um, says, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. Um, so shifting to reflect just a little bit more right now. So going, I don't know if this is, this has to be a personal time where I think Heather's going to take a few of these scriptures and share them with us uh, to get us started. But man, really, really start to th- to think and focus on right now. What's God saying to me? What And how does this apply to my life? Right? And so I, I love Proverbs 19.8. I, I, I love Proverbs. And so to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. I love that. Yeah, it says wisdom is self-serving for it brings peace and prosperity to your own life. Of course, it also always benefits those that are around. If you're around somebody who's wise. And it's easy to focus on that, right? So you don't see wisdom is self-serving. It brings peace and prosperity to our own life. Of course, it brings life to those around us and, and it benefits others. And it's easy for us to get stuck on that. Well, I need to do this because it's good for them. Well, what's this costing me? What does this cost me? Yeah, it says you yourself are the greatest beneficiary of wisdom's gracious invitations. 
um, having wisdom, it gives you the good life. It, it's abundance. It's successful. It brings prosperity. Um, it will bring the person. It, that's what it will bring fulfillment to the person that has it. I've never thought that acquiring wisdom is to love yourself, but that's really it. That's we're on, on, on the spiritual side now. So if you go to the business side of the world side, it's like, well, to acquire more assets, right? Is to really set myself up to succeed. It's great. It's great. We're, but in all that you can have, you can have everything. You can have nothing and love the God's love for you is still the same. And your love for yourself is still going to be the same. And so, yeah. Um, another verse is first John three, one, and says, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Um, if we're a reflection and we're walking in love and we know love, the world didn't recognize that. And that's the same reason we wouldn't be known as well. Yeah. And I think that some of this is, um, this ties to the scripture, and I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but it is, there are so many people who are going to get to heaven, and God's going to say, I didn't, I didn't know you. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's because we get in that vein of, of busy and doing, and we'll get there and we we'll say, Lord, we did all of these things. We, but wait a second, we did all these things, and we did them for X. And he said, yeah, but, but there was never a relationship. You, I, never, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Psalms 139, 13 through 15 says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. For me, this is easy to relate to being a mom because I think about um, having a child and the fact that they grew inside and you create this, um, bond with something that was formed inside of you. And it says that God knew us when we were in there and he sees us that way. And there's this overabundance of love that was created while we were created. Yeah. To me, that resonates well. We're going to go back to Psalms 139, 13, 15 in a bit, um, in a bit, like in 35 seconds. Okay. (laughs) Um, love is an action. And so then we must see so the, the root is this, to forgive myself, to forgive others, I have to forgive myself, to forgive myself, I have to love myself. And so we're trying to, to polish this up so we can walk into forgiveness next week with a clear understanding of, okay, this is who I am, this is how I operate, this is how I walk, and because I walk this way, because I believe this way, I can give this to others. And so then we must see God's love for us individually as a be, not a do. It's a be, not a do. So the reality is when we go to scripture, it's always easy to receive the word based on what we should do as opposed to how I should be or who I should be. Well, I just need to go here. And if I go here, this is the book of life, right? And this is everything that I ever need to know. And this is what I need to do. And that's true. But, but, God, but God loved you first. And he called you a son or a daughter first. And so then this is, it's not about what I should do, more rather who I am or how I should be. And so then because we're looking for the good deed, right? We're looking for the thing to do instead of depth in our relationship, instead of knowing God more. Mm-hmm. So then the, the tough part about this, and, and I think it's a struggle for everybody, is the more seasoned we get, the more seasoned we get uh, in our faith, we get to a place, we get to a place of knowing it all, right? 
I've read that before. And so we know the scripture so well. And because we know it so well, we choose to overlook what God keeps putting in front of us. And he's trying to bring revelation. He's trying to show us, hey, this is your next step. This is what you need to do. And, and then we, in turn, are frustrated because we don't like that. And we're saying, man, Lord, I need, I need you to move. And he's going, hey, I've put this in front of you 78 times this year. Like, this is it. And this reminds me of uh, just leadership. When you don't know what to do, go back to the last thing God told you. What's the last thing God told you? Start there, right? We don't want to do that. That's now that's uncomfortable. And I don't want to do that. It's not easy. And so, and we wrestle that a lot, by the way. And so um, when we choose to overlook what God keeps putting in front of us, we do that because, because it takes effort. Mm-hmm. It takes effort. It takes um, time. And we would much rather, and it's so much easier. We'd much rather go, Focus on doing something else or focus on fixing somebody else. Hey, you know what? I see this in you. You know what you could do? It's like, yeah, that's great. But we need to take the plank out of our eye before we take the speck out of our, out of our friend's eye, right? Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so we really need to identify that the biggest disconnect that we have between us and God's love is, is where does it begin? We have to identify where it begins for us personally. And so... Yeah, being real. Um, We can't see God's love for us in the Word when we can't. If we are reading and we can't actually see what it's saying, we're reading the words, but it's not like live to us. We start looking to the world. And a lot of us come to the Bible in our chair time and we're looking for something. Mm-hmm. As opposed, it, there's an agenda and there shouldn't be an agenda. There's, there's an expectation to hear from God. Right? But it's not, I'm going in here today because I'm going to find this because I know that this is in here. Which is good and there's time for that. But man, sometimes we need to read to read. For the simple enjoyment of reading and hearing from God. And then believing that for myself as opposed to going, well, I've got to read the Bible again today and... And I'm just going to read one chapter today because it's, I'm tired and, and I'm really sick of the Song of Songs. You know, it's kind of a hard book to read. And, and, and it's, it, it's not that. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> yeah, today we were, we're told to love everyone, accept everyone. And we want to, but where do we as individuals fit? Where are we in that? Um, because it's loud. It's yes. really loud. And I think generally speaking from... Uh, female perspective, I think women are, we are constantly fighting to, we want to say, I want to be known. Look at me. I can hold the same value as a man, which is correct. God did create us equal. Um, but in fighting so much, we see ourselves on kind of this, um, it's not a shadow for lack of better words, but we think I've got to fight to be seen the same as him. When in reality, God did create us equal, but it causes us not to be able to just be who God created us to be. Yeah. And I think it's it's similar. Um, God didn't create men and women to compete. Mm-hmm. And so it's similar for men and what she's saying as, 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 a, as a, you know, trying to kind of hold this place or gain this ground or... It's not notoriety, really, but it's like there's an expectation from um, culture, from society, from <laughs> it's just where, yeah. where we are right now that, that anything you can do, I can do better. Right. And it's not that you can't and it's not that you won't because you do a lot of stuff that, that I do better. It's not that. Um, it's essentially just having a, like having a place. We're all looking for a place, but we have the place already. Mm-hmm. And it says a son or a daughter. And so it, to just echo what Heather said, I think it's the same for men. Uh, except we're not fighting. 
I think right now the what stinks as being a guy is you're taught and and we want you to be anything but strong, anything but masculine, anything but you know you can't be dominant. Uh, don't be chivalrous. Just like just just kind of fade in, you know. And 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 I don't feel like it's like let let the girl catch up, but it's like we we're elevating girls and we're and we're bringing guys down. And I, it just makes it so tough if we could just own who we are as. Who God called us to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the same for every human being on the face of the earth. And I think if we would own and walk in, because I think this has a large part to do with one, walking in the love that God has for us, but then also loving ourselves, how God loves us, how God sees us, how God created us. Mm-hmm. Because the moment that I get outside and I say, that's not good enough, I have to do all of this and I have to be all this and I have to portray this and I have to, and I have to, you know, whatever. And then for a guy like, I can't wear my favorite lumberjack shirt anymore because I'm going to get judged at the local, you know, Kroger, right? (laughs) And so in all of that, I think if we could just walk in who God's called us to be, we wouldn't get our roles mixed up. Yeah. Nobody would be lost. Nobody would be confused. We're just walking in truth in who God's called us to be. It's not one is better than the other. God created us equal and we were created to work together, not to be one another. I shouldn't be striving to be a man because for some reason that gives me a different level of significance than being a woman. Um, we downplay, I think downplay being a woman and which I, I don't want confusion. I am by no means saying that women should not be doctors, lawyers, um, military. I'm not saying that all. I 100% believe that they should. I'm saying that I feel like women should be bold enough to, in what God created them to be as a woman. And in that position. Yes, absolutely. In that position to where you can actually fully be what God created you to be. Yeah. Love that. Because God created us equal. Mm-hmm. We're designed to compliment each other. I compliment you just as much as you compliment me. And we're created to work together, not to be one another. Mm-hmm. That's huge. We're created to work together, not to be one another. Mm-hmm. And so as we downplay that, I just want to say, man, God, God says you're good enough. God says you're good enough before you get the job. So there's no... I don't have to do anything extra. It's the one thing that we're teaching our kids constantly. Man, I love who you are. You're good enough for me. Mm-hmm. That's what God's saying. I love who you are. And I don't know if I've shared this before or not, but there was this there was this time in my childhood growing up that I knew when my dad was pissed and I knew when he was proud. That I can I can tell you how many times proud happened on one hand, okay? And so you know I'm walking with Jesus because I'm so sweet. And so... But in, in this time, we know when we're, when we're um, mad at our kids and we know we're proud. And we do a great job of telling them, hey, clean up your room. I'm sick of telling you, hey, you did such a great job at that camp yesterday. But do our kids know? Do we know? Do I know the other 99% of the time mm-hmm. that we are pleased with who they are? Just as I said, there's no other... We don't need to create something else. I don't need to be something outside of the way God created me to be. There's not a hidden expectation that I have to try to fit into. I don't have to put this shirt on and be this certain way to be able to receive love. And the only way that I can teach that, that we can teach that to our kids is that we love who you are, that you're good enough. And right before we hit the lights, a couple times a week, what's the best thing you're ever going to be? Myself. All right, tomorrow. And so in that, the only way we can teach that to our kids is because I believe that. I believe that God's pleased with who I am the 99% of the time that I'm not going through the ringer. Yeah, absolutely. So 
So then, uh, I'm just talking a lot. <laughs> so our first step and responsibility is to receive God's love and to stop comparing and to just be who we are and creating this expectation that we have to do or we have to be or we have to whatever. Reality is it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to accept where we are, how we sit, how God's made us, who he's called us to be. And, and I think in all of this, we're not, um, we're not downplaying anything. We understand that there are trends and movements and we understand all that. But when, when we get to the root, when we get to the truth, we see that God has a plan. He has a purpose for every human being. So there's a couple questions that we have that we want to reflect on today. And so the first one, uh, this rocked my world. And so I get to ask you now. And so if you're online, you can jump in the comment section. If you're here, this is the time for you guys to kind of spitball, give us feedback back and forth. No pressure. Put your thinking caps on. No pressure. Um, when I actually sat down and asked myself how I'm doing, um, it changed how I thought. And so then the question is this. And if this is just reflection or to write down and, and you're not sure, it's totally okay. Um, when's the last time that you ask yourself, how am I doing? It's a pretty simple question. And here's the thing. This is what I would do. If I did that, I would say, well, I'm doing pretty good work. Okay, I've got this, 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 and this done. Uh, how am I doing as a husband? And I, th- and I write about these things every day, so that's good. How am, I doing as a, how am I doing as a father? How am I doing as a pastor? How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? That's not how am I doing. That's literally like, like what, am that's I what am I doing? How am I doing means where am I at at a, at a, at a spiritual health, mm-hmm. from a spiritual standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from a physical, am I exhausted right now? I think we're all coming out of what might have been the most exhausting year for the entire human race last year currently. Mm-hmm. And so as we come out of that, did we take stock? Did we ever go, how am I doing? How am I doing right now? And I just want to say the, su- the suicide rate is up like 500% right now. It's something ridiculous. And so why? Because we're not even asking that question. We're just like, this sucks. I'm done. And that's, that's, I don't even have a word for that. It's, it's horrific. Mm-hmm. In that, we're not, we're not taking stock of ourselves. We're not actually getting to a place where one word, it, it's here's the thing. You can walk in truth without love, right? And love's the popular thing. Love's everywhere. It's like going back mm-hmm. to the hippie days. No offense, Mark. You know? <laughs> love. It is? Oh, yeah. It's Louise's favorite. And so love the way that God designed it to be, the way that God created it to be, and then mm-hmm. accepting it and walking it for myself. And so I think that in the reality, and this is this is something that, that I had to cross, was um, we're three parts whole. This is First Thessalonians. And when you think about that, I need to ask myself, how how does this affect me? What is this going to cost me? And I'll, I'll, use, I'll give you a great example. What is this going to cost me um, emotionally? On a scale of one to ten, what is this going to cost me spiritually on a scale of one? And what's this going to cost me physically? I help uh, Gross Point South High School in a couple of different areas with sports. It costs me zero physically. As a matter of fact, it it energizes me. It's really good. Um, emotionally, it costs me nothing. Nothing. Spiritually, it costs me nothing. The return is is a hundredfold. So if I would say it costs me. Too, uh, too physically, and maybe frustration with uh, lack of uh, expectation for, right? <laughs> and um, 
but but I get back 10, that's worth it. We talk, we don't have to pray about that decision. Mm-hmm. I know what that's going to do for me health-wise. And so then how are you doing, how you measure that, how you can gauge us, say, what is this going to cost me physically? What is this going to cost me emotionally? What is this going to cost me spiritually? And the reality is this, most of the time you can manage the physical and the spiritual. We pay no, um, no attention to the emotion, right? And the reality is this, people are sucking the life out of you. They're just sucking the life out of you. And so then you would say, well, it doesn't cost me anything physically. I, I can do more. I, I have more capacity. I can do more. And spiritually, this is, this is even though you could pray or whatever, spiritually, I'm okay here. But emotionally, this person calls nonstop with the same issue and it's draining me. Mm-hmm. And so then you can only run at a negative emotionally so long before it starts affecting your spirit and your physical life. And so then you really have to get to a place where you say, how am I? How am I? How am I? And answer it for yourself without a task, without a do to it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Question number two, what keeps me from believing and engaging in biblical truth for myself? I think there's a lot behind that. I didn't Uh, let you guys answer number one. You're welcome. (laughs) He answered for us. Why is it so easy to believe for others? Um, a f- and Dustin used this analogy when we were talking that we have a friend that says, gives a perfect example of. Um, yeah. So we, what keeps me from believing and engaging in biblical truth for myself? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It's like you're yelling, love your neighbor as, and you whisper yourself like you are. Love your neighbor. Yeah, as, your, as yourself. <laughs> as yourself. We forget about us. We are great at loving our neighbor. We feel like that's what we're supposed to do because that's what being a good person is. That's what being a good Christian is. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm loving them well, but I'm not taking care of myself. I'm starving inside. I'm weak and I'm, I'm out of it because I'm drained from taking care of everyone else. So then why is it so, be, so easy to believe that for others? Because for myself, I think, um, it's easier to believe about somebody else because it's not, it's hard to be selfish for lack of better words. It's hard for me to look at myself and say, okay, what do I need? I know not everybody is like that. I think there's a difference between being selfish, which is just grabbing and taking in actually a need. What do I need? Yeah. For me, it was, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. That was my, you know, that was my easy to love my neighbor real loud, especially as a pastor or in ministry or wherever it was. And I can just do all this and I can read all this and I can believe all this for you before myself. And God really couldn't love me that way. Mm-hmm. Be cool if he did. But I just can't because I don't deserve it because of all of my self-talk or, or you know, all the all the trash that we walk through. And so um, you guys have anything on that? Nope. <laughs> Day one. We're going to warm right up. So I think that these questions that we're going to add in the service are really going to become probably the best part of the service eventually. And again, we're working and walking through it. So awkwardness is okay for a little bit. Um, referring to Psalms 139, it's what Heather read earlier. Mm-hmm. Referring to Psalms 139, this is a big deal. 
How does the fact that God knows you intimately affect you? Yeah. Your mother's womb, all those things. God knows you intimately. How does that affect you? Intimately isn't, I think it can, that word can be taken several ways too. When I first read the scripture, I was like, is that right? Like I create, I, I pictured intimately in a different way than what the Bible is saying it to be. It's close. He knows everything about you. It's intricate. It's not a perverted or a, um, different way than what he is saying. He's saying that I know every little detail about you. I, when you create it, think about when you build something, you know, every little part that goes into it, you know, everything, every detail about it. And that's what this is saying. And I, for me, I thought the first thing I thought was, well, that's kind of intimidating. What do you mean? He knows everything about me. Like nobody knows everything about me. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't share all that stuff. And the other thing I thought was, it should put me at ease. There should be no fronts. We can just boldly walk into God just as we are. There's peace in it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think. As a guy, it's tough. Like that, that was probably the biggest thing for me because I was, I was, I was just raised in a different way. And so then it was easy to run from. Just run from anything that's going, that that's going to be nice or loving because there's, it's, you know, you have to work your butt off and earn every single ounce of love that you get. And so that if you constantly, if, if you've grown up or you're in there in, in that kind of mind frame where it's, I don't get unless I, unless I work for, it's hard to receive that. It was hard for me to understand that for the longest time. And so I think you hit it on the head. It's either really intimidating or it's going to, it's going to bring you peace. Mm-hmm. And so. I'm going to skip a question. Let's refer to the Proverbs 19 that Heather read. Um, this is this is really good. How do you keep understanding? How do you keep wisdom, knowledge, common sense? How do you keep understanding? Right? How do I hold on to that? And it's kind of three part. Um, you remember what you've learned, right? There, I was. You know, we're never. You know, <laughs> we would say. Uh, we get we get better every day, right? We grow every day. We have an opportunity to grow every day. And so then I have to remember what I learned. We never stop learning. And so then that allows me to hold on to that understanding because gaining wisdom shows love for myself, which means I'm going to engage in the engage in the truth every day. The second thing is you hide it in your heart. You hide it in your heart and you apply it to your everyday life. It's it's making a daily decision to be like, oh, and I think the reality for some of us is this, is we have a, we have a decent um, chair time or a prayer time and um, prayer life is great and, and all those things are good. And what happens when we actually read something, God puts something in front of us and after he puts it in front of us, he, um, he reminds us of it during the day and then we see it during the day. And most of the times we, we glaze right over, we run right past it, and we don't recognize it because we weren't expecting anything out of it. And it is, man, when you're intentional, when you're intentional, self, like caring for yourself, you'll find that, man, the stuff that you're reading and the stuff that you're praying happens during the day. You're like, oh, that's, and we've all had that. Oh, I read, I just read about this this morning. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Praise God for revelation in our life, Right. And so then that happens because we put the word in our heart. Once you put the word in your heart, it's a daily, 
It's a daily decision. Then, then I can apply it. And it's not like you have to try like, now what was the scripture I was going to use to get through this problem? It finds its way out. Right. And so the last thing is you meditate on it. You have to think on it. Think upon the things that you have read. Think upon the things you have learned. And then the automatic is avoid anything that's negative or steals from that like that. It'll just crush you. Right. Anything that's going to corrupt that mess it up. Yeah. So, um, so that's about it. In closing, I think that the biggest thing to understand is one asking yourself how you're doing and understanding in that, that you are three parts whole. Yeah. God made us all unique. I, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. So there's three um, three things that need nourished. We can't starve one and expect the other two to function properly. Yeah. Think about this is um, another leadership principle. If you had three balloons and they didn't have helium in them and you're just trying to keep them all afloat at the same time, well, you end up having one that dominates and it's easy to pay attention to that one and let these other two fall. And so it's a constant keeping all three up at the same so you can live balanced. This is We live balanced by paying attention to us, to our whole self, not just going to the gym, right? Or having late night cookies or not having late night cookies, okay? And so then, um, so then Heather, I, I, here's the thing. Heather it has more faith than anybody I know, the way that she lives, the way that she walks, how she speaks. You said something, I don't even know if, I don't remember it because I don't remember anything. But um, you said something I hope that you get to today. How do you care for yourself? Like, give me some great examples of how to care for yourself. Um, I think spiritually, that's spending time reading, listening, sitting, just being able to be, not feeling like I've got a ton of stuff going on. I can sit there and I can. Without an agenda. No agenda. Just sit and be in God's presence. For me, that's a little bit easier in the sense of I like to get stuff done, but I am not a Dusty is a he's busy. He's always going. He's very GSD busy. is what we used to call it. Get stuff done. You just feel <laughs> it how you like. And it's different. I do like to get stuff done. However, I'm good to I do a better job at sitting and being still. Yeah. And and I couldn't understand that for the longest time. So when we made a decision to bring Heather home full time to raise our kids, because the trade-off was you're going to work 40 hours a week and your whole paycheck is going to go to childcare. So that would be dumb. And so then you just come home and I'll figure it out. So I would work, 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 work. And I'd come home and the house would be a wreck. It would be a wreck. Hmm. And I would say, what have you been doing all day? Yeah. And, and in that, it's because of that. It's because she finds that the most important things in the house are our people, our kids. At that time of my life, I was not thinking about the people, okay? All I knew was there's stuff in my chair, okay? We're out of sweet tea. Let's be realistic. <laughs> Rec was like everything could be done and there could be one thing that was out like laundry or I was folding laundry. So it would literally be sitting in the chair that he wanted to sit out, which I was always doing laundry, which I, I still kind of am. Again. And yes, there was no sweet tea. So <laughs> that was our wreck that we were living in at that time. <laughs> but it's easy to do that when you're, when your focus is off, when you care nothing about yourself, when you're not, when you're just running to accomplish and to do right. And so sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, spending time with God, sitting and being. Um, what do I need for me physically? I outdoors. It's taking a walk. It's um, exercising. It's doing something that makes me feel good physically. It's 
refreshing. I like, I love the outdoors. So for me sitting in being outside, doing anything outside is fuel. It refreshes me, makes me feel better. Um, yeah, we, sometimes I take a nap. I mean, <laughs> I'm tired. I'll take a nap. Was it 10 month old, 11 month old? Yeah. She needs naps. And granted, I do not sit all day. Like that is not realistic. She can't sit all day. I don't usually until I lay down at night, but yeah. What else? Kinda sums, that kind of sums up more refreshing. I don't, I don't remember what. That's it. How do you care for yourself? You feel like you're cared for by saying all that? What lacks? If, if, if you get those three, how's life? Good. Yeah. If I get all three of those, that's great. It's just figuring out what you need specifically, what each individual needs. Like time out by yourself. Do you need... What do you need to be refreshed? Yeah. And I can do a better job at like forcing her out of the house too. Cause she'll, she'll stick around and just find stuff to do. I want to say the way Heather speaks is, um, it's super encouraging. I tend to be the one that kind of, um, it's not that I'm not optimistic. I just speak a lot of truth. So how I'd like to say it. Okay. And so, um, but Heather, the way that she, the way she speaks brings life to her house. And because I think that it's because she wins in the thought realm. And so, Anyways, uh, for me, there's two, th- there's two things in closing. Obviously Psalms 139, we hit the beginning of it, but the end is, the end is huge. And I think if we're talking about self-care. Psalms 139, 23 and 20, 24 are amazing. It's, Search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me, lead me in the everlasting. That verse 24 is huge. I'm asking God to check my heart for any offense. If I'm offended today, Lord, please reveal it to me. And I'm giving that to you right now. Like, I, and I have to, because people are people, right? And so, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my concerns. Like, God knows me intimately. The only way I can even believe this for myself is understand that he knows every fiber of my being, that he numbered the hairs on my hand, the hairs on my head, like he knows me, knows me, right? And the other is Acts 20, 28. I reference this a lot. I don't think we've ever shared it. Be on guard for yourselves, Man, when I saw this, after looking at, don't think too high of yourself than you ought. The moment that I, that, that God, and I'd read Acts 20, 28, hundreds of times. And the moment that it, that it, and this is the Holman, the moment that it caught was amazing. Be on guard for yourself. Mm-hmm. Be on guard for yourself and for the flock, my family. But be on, so take heed to yourself and then the flock and then your family. That God's appointed you to as overseers, shepherd of the church. Who's the church? We're the church, right? That he purchased with his own blood. And so then the reality of Acts 20, 28 is you can't lead where you won't go. You cannot lead where you won't go. So I can say this all day long. I can tell people, hey, you should do this. But the reality is it doesn't happen unless I do it for myself. And so then be on guard for yourselves. There's two things. It's a proverb, but I didn't write it down. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. It's precious. It's precious. Guard your heart and guard your time because I'm only as good to others as I am to myself. And that's why you find a lot of grumpy people in the world. Okay. That's just real talk. You're only as good to others as you are to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so then your action step, and this is going to be full screen for those of you online, for you here in the room, just imagine, <laughs> just imagine. <laughs> when were you born? What year? Uh, 1965. Dang. That's all the gray got me. Mm-hmm. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. It's an amazing gray. 
Mark Davies is going to be an amazing Santa Claus one day at this church, okay? <laughs> Number one, you are loved. This is 1 Thessalonians 1.4. You are loved. You have to own this for yourself. Number two, you're a son or a daughter. It's John 1.12. You're accepted. It's Romans 15.7. You are one with God. It's 1 Corinthians 6.17. You are justified. You are justified. That means it's all good. You are redeemed. You've been restored. That's Romans 3.24. You are free from the law. There is nothing that holds you back. There's nothing you're chained to. You're a slave to nothing. You are free from the law. That's Romans 8.2. You're chosen. It's Ephesians 1.4 and James 1.8. Dig on these. Own these. Guys, I said these to myself for over two years. I had to. Every single day for two years. You are bold and confident. I already had that going for me, okay? Yes, you are. But not with the Spirit of God. <laughs> and so that's Ephesians 3, 2. You are complete. That's huge. You are complete. What's that mean? I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. You're complete, Colossians 2, 10. And you're triumphant. God calls you to win at 2 Corinthians 2, 14. As we wrap, I just want to leave with Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. Uh, this is Old Testament stuff. And even here it's good. Micah 6, 8 says, Mankind, he has told you what is good. And what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God, to walk humbly with your God. And so then it's all good, but you have to do this first for yourselves. Because all God, here's the thing, God is always ready to give his grace toward humble people. Toward humble people. And the only reason we can sit here and share and be transparent and share, you know, all that stuff is because we're in a place where we don't really care what you think about us anyways, okay? In a good way. <laughs> yeah. But but because God's opinion matters more, mm-hmm. and, and we've lived it, and we received it, and we get to walk in it, and it's great. And I think if God sent his son to die for you, then that says you're worth it. Mm-hmm. You're worth it. So you just have to receive it. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.